0: Welcome back to another episode of the Canine Performance Podcast, where it's our mission to help you live the best life possible with your dog, guaranteed. You might be wondering, whose voice is this? And if you go back to the beginning podcast, you'll remember that my name is Matt. I'm Natalie's partner and co-founder in Canine Performance, and a lot of times I'm behind the camera or helping to create content with her. But today, I'm behind the microphone, and I'm joined here by my friend Eric Innes of Coastline Canine down in Naples, Florida. Uh, Eric's up visiting, turning over some protection dogs that he's been training for his clients here in North Carolina. And I thought it'd be a really cool opportunity for us to kinda sit down and talk about his journey into this very niche market when it comes to dog training. And uh, Eric has a very robust career in the military from being a former Army Ranger and through that experience being able to work uh, with different canines in special operations and even with the SEALs at different points. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce Mr. Eric Ennis. Eric, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, to kind of kick things off, you know, maybe take me and the audience back a little bit into your story, you know, I know that you mentioned you enlisted really early on in life and uh, that was kind of where you eventually found your passion for dogs, but you know, back when you were say a kid or just starting out and fresh into the military, was training dogs something that was it even a thought in your head at that point?
1: No, actually, a uh, funny story. Um, all the way up into the latter part of me being in the military, uh, I was actually a cat person. So, so I, I wasn't really interested in dogs too much. You know, I grew up had a rescued cat, and you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys. But um, you know, the entire time when I was in the military, from the time you know I was 18, I had no idea that I would ever end up in this space as a dog trainer or anything like that so um 18 years old made pass through selection for you know ranger regiment and the special operations Mm -hmm. uh most people are going to college and you know at 18 i was already in iraq and then i did four four tours of afghanistan after that um after my third one uh, I actually wanted to go be a sniper. You know, m- most people do. They think that's cool. They get to do some different stuff. They're a little bit specialized. Uh, well, I end up not getting that slot to somebody more senior. They end up, like, going to that school, that, that skill set. So I was like, oh, man, what what else can I do? So I knew that just being a shooter, mm-hmm. right, when I did get out, I didn't know how marketable that would be. <laughs> right yeah. like am i gonna be working at a pawn store like yeah. am i what am i gonna be doing right mm-hmm. am i gonna be coaching like boy scout like shooting camp mm-hmm. or right so i didn't think it was it was too marketable um so i was thinking okay i was trying to figure out what steps i needed to take for a little bit longer goal to be accomplished mm-hmm. so after i went to um one deployment in afghanistan one of one of my um, seniors or, or people in charge, one of my non-commissioned officers in charge of the dog program goes, hey, uh, do you, would you like to come and test out for like a miniature selection to the dog program? Mm-hmm. Which nobody really knew about the dog program, even though it was within our own unit because it was relatively new, like maybe less than three years old. Mm-hmm. Before that, they contracted it all out. So at the moment, I was like, that's different. Yes, because I knew that I always witnessed the dog handlers, they went on every mission. Regardless, it was actually required. A dog had to go before uh, and be on every mission just due to the threats of um, IEDs, bombs. So they needed that detection piece. And then they also needed a dog to chase down anybody who ran away, was hiding, any type of threats like that. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I went to the dog section, I wouldn't be left out of any missions. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how it all started. You I went to uh, special Operations Dog School, and then went to like a more advanced one where you're going out of helicopters and roping and shooting on the move and live fire and and real practical application stuff as a shooter. Mm-hmm. But now you have to think not only as a shooter, but how can I apply this dog on my hip to one either do detection or you do bite work or flip flop back and forth, mm-hmm. and then have the mind of how to apply it. Mm-hmm. So then that was you know, education part and then started rolling into training and then, uh, two successful deployments to Afghanistan as a dog handler before I got out of, Mm -hmm. out of the military from that point. Mm -hmm. So that little, that little snippet. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. What, what are some of the
0: things that you found through that unique dog handling experience, um, that, Kind of apply to you now um when you're training protection dogs or even boarding trains you know what are you know there's a lot of other dog trainers out there but i think you know even in us just talking getting to know mm-hmm. each other like you have such a unique experiential like you know mm. skill set that must be you know kind of predicated on the fact of how you learn to train dogs um, what are some of those skills that you think apply that are maybe a little bit more unique or uncommon um, that other trainers out
1: there might be like surprised to hear or may not know about? Well, I think if you're you just a box in that, that part, the dogs at that level are actually easy to train, mm-hmm. right? Because they're the cream of the crop selected for those types of tasks. So you don't have too much um, like issues that you're necessarily dealing with. It's more just how do I take it to the next level? Mm. So what I what I learned early on was that I was spoiled 100 percent. Okay. Right. Like immediately spoiled. I'm like, oh, man, this is how all German shepherds, Malinois, Dutch (laughs) shepherds are like, man, these things are like amazing. Whip, zing, boom. Like I could teach you to do whatever. Mm. So I got spoiled in the beginning. Mm -hmm because the dog that I actually had was already a veteran dog had already had multiple special operations deployments. I was a second handler. Mm-hmm. And so even, even amongst us and my peers at the time, like my dog was driving me, mm-hmm. I was just like, they're holding the leash. Yeah. Excuse me. So with that, um, I was able to see the different practical application level and thinking outside of the box and how to train a dog, to do different stuff. For example, at one point during, during the time, um, in limited use was the use of let's just for all example, like a red laser, right? Mm-hmm. Like most people play with their cats and they harass their cats with a, with a red laser, laser yeah. right? Like a little pen laser, right? I'm sure m- most people did that at one point and just, to uh, you know, run around and run your cat into cat, the wall or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, <laughs> We had an idea of okay, these these there's certain technology where we have like lasers on our weapons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, at the time it was never used of how can I use that same principle that I get the cat to chase a laser. How can I get my working dog to chase a laser but with a very deliberate like task that I want him to do once he sees the red laser. Mm-hmm. So we teach you know, we teach a whole bunch of different stuff in regards to that. So we use some of the outside of the box stuff and then i I won't give away all the secret sauce Mm -hmm. that's that's needed in case uh you know certain people are watching or whatever but um so to have a high level dog you can literally there's no limit Mm -hmm. right these dogs are going in the highest stressful applications possible i mean you got you know multiple guys shooting in a confined room live fire dog has no no ear protection under night vision, in a blacked out room, only being guided and steered uh, with a little lead that's attached to your hip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very little verbal communication, all proprioception, right? Mm-hmm. The dog's ability to learn based off of body positioning. So where your hip is, where it's going, if it's moving forward, if it's moving back, if it your hip drops, what does the dog do? Mm-hmm. So we teach a lot of those different stuff. Now fast forward into the training aspect of civilian Mm -hmm. side and dog trainers you don't always get the cream of the crop the dogs that are just ready to roll and whatever you throw at them or whatever their trainability might not be that level Mm -hmm. as a special operation dogs as you know with trainers we deal with a lot of behavior modification problems or dogs that are weak in a lot of different areas or have not been exposed so what i learned is that that type of dog training i wouldn't even really it's in its own category mm-hmm. uh it's very hard to compare even into dog training now because i was so spoiled yeah. so once i came into pet dog training board and training and stuff like that it takes way more patience <laughs> way more dissecting of behavior way more way more understanding where the dog came from why the dog is in the shape it is or the mindset it is and uh dissect tiny little problems that take you want to little wins over long courses of time Mm -hmm. to where dogs that we had like that if we had any they would just get washed out gotcha and you're just looking for the next like blue chip athlete Mm -hmm. and then okay i don't i don't want to deal with that problem next dog
0: so it's pretty much like selection of how anyone else gets selected in the military it's it's like very exactly it's very
1: specific so You can't do that when you're training client dogs or you're doing other stuff, you know, in in this line of work, you have to slow down. You have to attack each problem and then build the dog up so that it's better than how you received it Mm -hmm. while all satisfying the client at the same time on a understanding of like a a human um, bandwidth so that they can understand what's going and how they can move forward to implement the dog into the life. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same um, but just two totally different ends of the spectrum.
0: It's like coaching the Lakers versus like coaching JV,
1: right? Okay, <laughs> exactly. Or or coaching the Lakers, uh, or coaching the All Pro like Olympic team, right? Mm. For basketball, for all intents and purposes, mm. and then going to a school where they're uh, they may not even have enough people to put on the roster, and every game they're like, gotcha. I don't know if we have to forfeit yeah, or not. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I guess to kind of step back a little bit. When was it that you kind of like, throughout, you know, maybe as you started dwindling down in your military career, when was it that you really solidified the idea, like, I am gonna do this, you know, when I am done? And because obviously, like you said, it's it's a much different style of training; it's a much different thing. But where did you find it? Uh, at what point was it when you were like, hmm, I think this is what I want to do, like, when I am done?
1: Right. So that's a that's a great question, Matt. The when I got out. Uh, Like some veterans, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I had some fallback plans, but I wanted to attack other avenues instead of attacking the fallback plan. Mm -hmm. So the other avenue I attacked was um, I went to a company and just offered to pick up dog poop, walk dogs, feed dogs Mm -hmm. while they're doing all the training. So I had to humble myself coming into the civilian world and going all the way back to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Because in the civilian world, I didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a conversation a little bit, you know, uh, yesterday in regards to that. So um, I just attacked it with the same mind, kind of how I operated. And once I put in the effort that wasn't a monetary Mm -hmm. reward, then I realized like, this is what I enjoy doing because immediately I didn't receive like any pay for it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, yeah. so it was like a delayed, gratification. Uh, delayed gratification yeah. because I was willing to do it and then I was okay with doing it without being paid. So I was like, Hmm, I mean, how many things in people's lives are they willing to like eat it over and over again? Kind of like Gary Vee says, yeah, eat it all over again without compensation.
0: Or like building the resentment of, you know, Correct. Like that process. Or am I wasting
1: time or whatever. But then the fruit blossomed, and then that's kind of how I was able to get on the contract for the Navy SEAL program because mm-hmm. the person who I was doing that with happened to be the trainer for that program. So it was one of those, you never know who's watching. Yeah. And then kind of that delayed gratification happened, and I was like, wow, this is, okay, here goes into training. And then just moving forward, I was like, this, this, I think this is what I was meant to do, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Just using the niche and and everything that I learned and offer the marketplace Mm -hmm. something different instead of just storing it away in the closet.
0: Yeah. So I think that's a good segue into kind of your specialty and, you know, as we've discussed kind of the direction you'd like to chase Coastline K9 in, in, in the future, you know, as it, from a brand perspective, but um, maybe tell me about that first protection dog that you sold because I you know we talked a little bit yesterday about how you you know were earning cash through mm-hmm. your board entry as mm-hmm. a meat and potato but you were reinvesting those you know earnings back into getting the right dogs so that you could eventually get more into family protection dogs um, maybe tell us about the first dog that you sold and kind of how that came about and, and maybe a little bit as to how that maybe inspired you to, to like realize that you had like your own lane that you could kind of stay in. Absolutely.
1: So, um, When I did get into training, you know, initially the path, it wasn't easy. Cause when I, when we started Coastline K9, uh, we started from the bottom, um, started in a one car garage, right, work dogs and uh, walk dogs, and then took those dog clients as board and trains, mm-hmm. and then board and train, I board and train, board and train. And then eventually, Once people started to see my background and not only was I just training dogs, but they knew that side of me or they started to find out that side of me Mm -hmm. then, Oh, I want this type of breed of dog. Mm -hmm. Can you train this dog as a puppy? Right? Or the misconception a lot of times is to have a protection dog, they have to buy a puppy and then they take that puppy, invest in training and train it all the way up into a protection dog. Mm -hmm. And so at one point a client came to me, Oh, I want a puppy. I want a puppy and then can I give it to you to train as a protection dog? Mm-hmm. And so I had to understand what, what was the end goal of the client? What did they actually want? Mm-hmm. Did they want puppy training or did, in the end, did they want a protection dog? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those like, I know what they're asking me to provide, but what is their goal in the end? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. so then it, it segway into, well, if this is your goal in the end, to be honest, it's going to be way cheaper or more, more financially, uh, feasible in the long run. And you're going to get everything you want if you just buy an adult that we have ready for protection. Mm -hmm. So then we got their right dog. Uh, they were like, okay, let's do that because that's the end goal. Mm -hmm. So then we sold the protection dog, protection dog did amazing. And then, that went from word of mouth. Oh, where did you get your protection dog from? Oh, it's a coastline canine dog or the training came from coastline canine or, Mm -hmm. or however. Then it just became another one straight, one of the protection dog and then another one and then another one and then another one. So one thing as a trainer and a business owner uh, that I try to have in mind is what is the client really asking for? Mm -hmm. Right. And And sometimes dog people or dog trainers, I find or that I notice they get really technical into the weeds as a dog person mm-hmm. and not a um understanding what the person wants mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. So a little example would be uh an owner just wants my dog to be obedient and not a nutcase and stop destroying stuff. Mm-hmm. But as a trainer they may not understand what the entire picture is and they just want to take their dog as a board and train. And then they just want to teach it like a whole bunch of tricks, mm-hmm. like not understanding what is, what is the pain point yeah. for the owner that they're, that they're trading for your service to have or go back. Oh, I want a puppy. Mm-hmm. Great. You want a puppy? I want you to raise it all the way up until a protection dog. Well, unfortunately you could do that and then it could still not end up what you want. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you want, let's just choose option B so that you're satisfied in the end goal, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of where it started going into protection dogs, and then more protection dogs started coming, less board and trains, just out of a ratio. Mm-hmm. And so that's our goal is, is to provide that, that skill set to the common person, because like you, you stated earlier, a lot of people don't know that the average person or just the normal citizen uh can have a protection doc it's not just strictly a military or police thing or some type of security firm Mm -hmm. yeah if that makes sense
0: no yeah absolutely and i think that that is the challenge that i feel like someone in your niche is up against some to some degree is that the while you do have this audience that's very aware of what you can offer um i think a lot of people aren't and i think that you know there's like two very drastic sides of the scale. There's like pet dogs and there's like protection dogs, but I don't, and I didn't even know either. And as someone that's even in the industry, didn't really realize that there's like a weird middle ground, but that it comes a lot down to the genetics and where you're getting the dogs from and all these other aspects that most people wouldn't really think about as being huge factors when it comes to getting the right dog for them. Um, And I think that's in talking, I think that's one of the things that stood out to me the most is that you're really more of a, canine consultant so to speak mm-hmm. in the sense that you're not just you're not just selling a dog to sell a dog you're working with someone to f- to find and then train the right dog for them with as you know as you've kind of said before a white glove service which is something that I've never heard of before um, in the capacity at which you offer it so maybe tell us a little bit about what you know, what the vision for coastline canine is, I know you're big on brand and, mm-hmm. um, that carries through a lot of the other things that you're doing. So maybe share a little bit about what you're most excited about, um, in 2020 and kind of where you see things going for you guys.
1: Awesome. Uh, that's a, that's a great, uh, question. And what we're most excited about, uh, going into 2020, th- to be honest, it's the success stories. Like we, we want as much success stories as possible, uh, coming not only from you know, the, the different aspects that we have, the board and trained clients that are happy with um, us coming to service whatever they need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and providing a better life for them and their dog moving forward, and then unlocking their dog's potential. And then the Rescue 22 Foundation side, helping out more veterans, And then as well as the brand side in morphing into an elite uh, family guardian, family protection dog company, right? Mm -hmm. So we're really excited about that to increase the amount of family protection dogs that we can appropriately put into qualified clients' homes, Mm -hmm. especially in a time like now to where, you know, people are starting to, uh, understand everything is not rainbows and butterflies. Mm-hmm. So with that, we, we want to be able to protect um, you know families, uh, any type of uh, business people, whatever they think that they can that they can put a protection dog in that capacity and then it can fulfill a certain role that they maybe find that there is some type of a gap. Mm-hmm. So in the past, we've had protection dogs have real-world application Mm -hmm. for family protection dogs, uh, protecting kids from getting kidnapped, uh, stopping carjackings, stopping uh, muggings, and even just being deterrents as to where it never escalated because the decision was made by the perpetrator to, okay, not move further than a uh, harassing banter. Mm -hmm. So those success stories throughout the country, um, we would like to see as many of those as possible because that means that that, that that mom, that dad, that family member is able to tuck their kid in bed again. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, or that spouse is able to see their other spouse again because they were protected Mm -hmm. right by their coastline canine dog or Mm -hmm. or whatever. So we're really excited about that. Um, we're really excited about uh, scaling potentially opening up, uh, another location for, okay. for coastline canine and offering uh board and trains and or protection dogs out of a different hub mm-hmm. and not just out of Florida, because as of right now, we, we personally hand deliver all of the dogs. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm the one that, that does it with another trainer. So we would like to open up the capacity uh, we're building out our, our facility in Florida. We would like to have that finished as soon as possible. That way that's just up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like it to have where even people if if they didn't want us to bring their dog they can fly in, they have a place to stay they can train, they can do everything mm-hmm. essentially on a mini vacation and knock out two birds one yeah. stone they get to come to Southwest Florida <laughs> pick up their dog, right? train some hit the beach, whatever mm-hmm. um, so we're really trying to provide a different type of service uh, a family oriented service a brand service right a full experience a full experience to where you know everything just from you know the lifestyle of the type of dog the freedom that they're able to have uh merchandising and just even a very a very family feel Mm -hmm. right um not just oh i went to a car dealership bought a car Mm -hmm. and then I don't even know who the salesman name is. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you, you throw it out. So we want to be like, Oh, Eric, Elisa, Brett, Byron, they, they are, they're in our phones. Like we can message them anytime, any question. Um, a very family family feel because we're providing something for their family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, maybe a few more rapid style questions for people out there that are thinking like, Hmm, that actually, I didn't realize that existed. That sounds kind of cool. Like, tell me more about, you know, what it takes to have a protection canine. Um, so we'll kind of like go through these quickly, but what are, what should people be prepared for if they're interested in a protection canine? Like who is the ideal client, you know, out there? I know it can be kind of a range of, of different types of folks, but generally speaking, what, what should someone be willing to do in order to, to give a protection canine a good life? Okay,
1: that's a that's a very fair question. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide dogs, to be honest, all, all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Blue collar, white collar, professionals, um, stay-at-home parents, business owners. It, everything in between because everything is customized. Every single dog is customized to, okay, how many kids do you have? How many other animals do you have? What type of property do you have? Do you live on a, um, a three-two bedroom with a quarter-acre yard that's fenced in in a suburbia? Mm-hmm. Or do you live in a high-rise condo on the top floor, right? And you have to take an elevator shaft down like 15, mm-hmm. <laughs> 15 floors. Yeah. Um, so the person that is the ideal um, client of ours is one. They're one that is understands that even in a family capacity, there are gaps, right? Um, you can't be everywhere at once, right? And you only have two eyes, two ears. So there are gaps that alarm systems don't cover. Um, there are fail points in home security, security cameras, right? The cool thing is that with dogs, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. So there are giant question mark, mm-hmm. right? For whoever is on the opposing end, kind of like the threatening side, mm-hmm. and the gap fills that because they're not used to dealing with that. Yeah, but also psychological, psychologically. Yeah. But also any type of person that has ill intent, they also think that those dogs are reserved for military or mm. law enforcement. So that's yeah, all they know. Like yeah. That's all they know. So they go, oh, there's another one, right? Okay, I'm not <laughs> messing with that. So. The ideal client is the one that knows, okay, there is an investment uh, financially and then time, but they also know, I don't want something that will fall apart. I want something that has everything I need in one shot from equipment to delivery to the right dog, the right fit, the right purpose, and I'm willing to invest in that because now I have my own little family or personal, uh, personal protector for the next mm-hmm. decade. Yeah. Right. People, a lot of times they can be bought out. Mm -hmm. Right. People can quit. Right. People have Oh, I have a security person or I have this or that or I'm really good um, or I have a gun or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I hate to break it to you, but your your firearm, it doesn't work. If you're sleeping, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work if you're away from it. It it doesn't work if you um, if there's not someone that's cognitive behind it to even use it appropriately. Mm-hmm. A dog can fully function on its own with threat assessment, with um, understanding kind of the situation, whether you're asleep, whether you're not there, mm-hmm. whether you wanted to guard a briefcase or a stroller, right? The dog is trained to where it can comprehend those things. Mm-hmm. Um, your firearm would still be collecting dust. Like if, if you're not using it, no matter how much the baby is crying, mm-hmm. no matter how much of a, of a stressful situation you're in right? If you can't use it, security systems, they can be bypassed. They can power can be shut off, Mm -hmm. right? All these different things. There's gaps in cameras and, and angles and stuff like that. Um, locks, they can be left unlocked, Mm -hmm. right? All these different things. So, so that dog becomes your own personal protection that also provides companionship because our dogs are very social, right? Mm -hmm. As you've seen, they can be very social. Mm -hmm. They can be a normal, normal family protection or a normal family dog, Mm -hmm. right? In that capacity. But in one flip of basically like a light switch mentally, they can go from companion, your best friend, your, your child's uh, best friend to all of a sudden into a, a protection role and then reverse that. Mm-hmm. back to playing with the kids. Yeah. Back to sleeping with the infant in the the baby's room. Mm-hmm. Right? Um back to laying on the couch and watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we do do different. Very cool. Um how long is the like how long does it take to
0: typically train um a protection dog, you know, that's ready to go into a family environment? Absolutely.
1: So, we have dogs in the pipeline. Um they're selected throughout the dogs that are ready to go home. They are normally between Two and a half to four years old. Uh, they live a long time for the breed, you know, around 12, 14 years. Mm-hmm. So we wanna make sure that they're ready for all the different threats in um, human life, right? And not just like dog life or like just training, but um, all the different things, right? Mm-hmm. Going to a playground, playing with your kid, or prepare for a unsuspected uh, carjacking in and, and a parking lot or home invasion or scoping out the house or just all these different things. Mm -hmm. So we need to show them all of these pictures. So it's better to show them all these pictures, be a little bit more pickier with the dog, make sure they're not failing anything and then have the dog ready to go. Then the owner, when they, or when they, the interested party, they want to come to us for a protection dog. Then they lay out, okay, what is their needs? What is their rituals? What does their day to day look like? Right? Are they ready to learn about this? Are they ready to, um, move forward in an investment? All these different things. Then they, at, we ask them, okay, what would you like the dog to do? All mm-hmm. these different abilities are there weight restrictions, size restrictions. Some, some people may have a only sports cars. Some people have, right? Maybe it's a minivan. Mm-hmm. So, so some of these play a part, right? Um, okay. Is there a preference in what does the dog look like? Obviously, mm-hmm. nobody wants an ugly dog. Yeah. So, so, so it all just takes time, predicated so on the different requests. Right. So exactly. Great. Like if you were to buy a house, right? Mm-hmm. What are your must-haves? What are your wish list? Everybody wants a a golden uh, a golden yeah, refrigerator yeah, a or something, yeah. right? Um, but their budget may not be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, our job is to match everything appropriately. Okay. If if I was a realtor and you say, I want a house with a pool, I'm not gonna show you one without a pool, mm-hmm. right? It's in my best interest to fit exactly what your your needs are or your family needs are. Gotcha. So then once that's selected, then we provide, okay, these dogs, they match, boom, they match what you're asking, your lifestyle, and then these are our recommendations. And then once they're selected, we move forward, right? And then we provide all the equipment, we figure out when the the delivery time will be, and then we deliver the dog, and then we spend two to three days going through all the scenarios, teaching you how to use your dog, integrating your dog with any children, pets, house, or immediate circle of people that are going to be around the dog and then showing you all of the things that the dog can do so that you're comfortable with the dog and you're also comfortable with the dog in these situations. So moving forward, if something was to happen during that time that you have a protection dog moving forward in the unforeseen future, at least you've seen generally what it that picture looked like before in a scenario. Mm-hmm. So it's not your so. first time seeing it.
0: Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, I think that's about a good time and a good place to wrap things up. Um, if people want to find you out there on social media, or if they want to reach out to you with, you know, any inquiries about getting a
1: protection family dog, um, where can they find you? They can find us on social media platforms, right? Facebook, Instagram, coastline, C-O-A-S-T-L-I-N-E underscore K and then the number nine. Um, And then you can shoot us a message. Our information, our our phone number is on there to call us, uh, 941-312-1005. And so we deliver, we provide training and and personal protection dogs uh, nationally. So it doesn't matter where you're located. Our hub is just in the Sunshine State of Florida. Very cool. Well, Eric, thanks again
0: for coming on the show and sharing a little about your journey and what you do with the people that are tuning in. If you guys are at home and you've been enjoying the podcast, if you wouldn't mind dropping by Apple and leaving us a review, you can find us online at www.canineperformancecoach.com or on Instagram at canine underscore performance. One little fun thing I'm going to add in here at the end is that if you've been tuning into us anywhere on the Internet, uh, you might have heard about our online platform that we recently launched. And it's currently still in beta access, meaning there's a smaller group of people that we've led on to kind of work with us, give us some feedback and be the first people in the platform. But if you're looking to kind of have an experience where there's a trainer in your back pocket leading you through all the things that you're you know, challenged with when it comes to training your dog on your own and you need some guidance and you'd like to work with a handful of other coaches virtually – then I suggest that you go to members.canineperformancecoach.com, join a seven-day free trial, check out the platform, experience our online community, and that's all I got for you guys. So once again, thank you for tuning into this episode, and we will see you on the next one.